Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza and I am your host on our journey to introduce the world to more underrated, underloved, or unknown movies that just really deserve a bigger audience. Today's movie is a Disney movie from 2005 called Sky High. It's a interesting choice because anybody who really knows me knows that Mario is not really a Disney guy. But this is a movie that I happen to be very fond of. I really like this one. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. And I'll give you a little bit of trivia that when I first announced which movies I was doing on Staff Picks, this movie was the number two most highly requested. I had mentioned I want to do Sky High. And so many of my readers and patrons and stuff said that they wanted to be the guest on that one. So this is an incredibly popular movie out there that I don't think people realize. So... Here we go. I'm going to bring my guest on for uh, this episode. His name is Nicholas Tate. I know him from uh, Facebook. He's a big movie fan, pop culture guy, Boston sports fan. And most importantly, he's one of my patrons. So if you would like to become a guest on Staff Picks, Nick is a perfect example of why you should become one of my patrons. So welcome to the show, Nick, my beloved patron. It's great to be here, Mario. Thanks for having me. All right. So the first question is, why Sky High? Again, this is when I listed all these movies that I wanted to do on the show, this isn't one that I thought would draw a lot of interest. I thought it was kind of this obscure Disney movie from the 2000s. And so many people said, like I got nine or ten people said they wanted to do it. And you were the most insistent. And, and I'm just curious, why Sky High? Why is this movie such a big deal to you? All right. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, superhero media to start with. Um, I, when I was really, really young, I was really into the TV show Super Friends. And this movie uh, came out at a time where I would say that there were it was coming out when a, a lot of gritty superhero reboots were coming out. Like it was right around like Batman Begins and Dark Knight and uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man's. Mm -hmm. And this one just had it had a campiness to it that I don't think connected with the audience at the time. But I always really really loved and I defended this movie. Um, even though a lot of people at the time didn't really like it. But I think now people are coming back to it now that uh, a lot of superhero movies are coming back and being a little more quippy and campy. And so I think it's uh, it's definitely a movie that needs to be revisited. So this movie was not popular at the time. Is that that's what you're saying? I, I was not aware of that. People kind of were bagging on it. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, maybe this was just among my group of friends, but it was it was just one of those that was shot down as just another, like, campy, uh, cheap comedy movie. My friends basically, like, shot it down as being, you know, just, just another average comedy movie, when really I think there's a lot more uh, interesting stuff in that, in there, especially if you are a fan of superhero movies now. They make a lot of fun, uh, fun little references and fun little jokes. Um, so I just rewatched the movie last night, actually, and uh, I'm trying to remember a couple of the, a couple of the better ones. Uh, bear with, bear with me here. But um, are you talking about the moments in the movie? Yeah, just li just little mo little moments in the movie that I think if you catch them um nowadays they're a lot they're a lot funnier and it works better in today's movie environment than it did when it came out uh was it like 13 14 years ago or something like that mm -hmm. 2005 so 13 years ago it's interesting because now how old are you like i'm how what age were you when this movie came out so i'm 27 now so i would have been around 15 years old when this came out okay so you would have been in the prime demographic for it probably 
Yeah, I would have been in the prime demographic for it, and it just, my my friends just hated it. Like to be perfectly honest with you, like it was it was one of those things where um, you know even if you liked it, you kind of pretended just to hate it because nobody re- nobody really liked it. It was um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other like really bad comedy movies that came out around that time that uh, that just didn't connect. Yeah, I wish I could help you. That's kind of my black hole of pop culture knowledge, and it's oh the mid two thousands. Yeah, what I was going to say is, yeah, why why I love this movie is different than why you love this movie. It's interesting that we kind of parallel here. What happens with me on this one is that I we started having kids in 2000, and when you have kids, the thing is you stop going to movies, and if you ever do watch movies, you rent them and bring them home, and they have to be child-appropriate. Oh, okay. And so I fancy myself as like a, a lover of edgy comedy, like Sam Kinison, Norm MacDonald, Howard Stern. This is my stuff. That's about as edgy as you can get. And so I'm trapped in Disney hell for about five, six years. There where that's all we have in our house because it has to be appropriate for kids. And it's driving me legitimately insane that I cannot handle. Again, I know many people out there love Disney stuff and Disney culture. That is not me. That is not what I like at all. It drives me insane. And what saved me during that period is that I always say there was like three movies that really I thought were child appropriate and really made me laugh. And the first one was Shrek. Shrek killed me. I thought that was the funniest thing when the little gingerbread man says, eat me, which I've never seen that in a child's cartoon before. And then the other two were live action. One of them was this, Sky High, and the other one was School of Rock with Jack Black. And I just remember those three being the three that were child appropriate, but legitimately funny. And Sky High may be the best of them all. I really love this movie. And that's why I say it's odd that I would be doing a Disney movie of all people. But this is one that I really think is like, it's not even just like a Disney family comedy. This is a legitimately good comedy movie with some good laughs in it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on all those movies, actually. Shrek is really phenomenal, especially that uh, that one bit when... Um... You have the princess singing to the bird, and it just blows up while it's sitting on the branch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was begging for in 2005. I need some kind of comedy like that where a bird's exploding. Well, something something I find I found really funny about this movie that I don't think I really caught as a 15-year-old was the fact that you have um, this – it's the school for superheroes, and you have these kids that are going there that are such so obviously going to turn into supervillains, and yet – they're totally allowed to go to school there and it's completely acceptable that they're just going to raise supervillains because, oh, you know, supervillains are going to be part of the hero verse, so we need to have them. So they're just they're just kind of going to school and bullying people and nobody's saying anything about it. Well, that, that's always been my argument with Harry Potter, because the obvious comparison to this movie is the Harry Potter world. Oh, yeah. People who don't know. Yeah, Sky High is these kids, they're fledgling young superheroes, they're always a child of another superhero, and they're being raised to become future superheroes, so they go off to this magical school in the sky that nobody can get to, you have a bus that can go to this place that nobody else can go, so it's, I mean, it's literally just like an American superhero version of Harry Potter, and I I much prefer this to Harry Potter, but yeah, it's the same thing, and uh, that's by my always been my biggest complaint with the Harry Potter, like, there's these guys that are e- that are clearly going to grow up and be evil wizards. Why are you training them? Why don't you just like kill them? Like like Dumbledore should just murder these kids the minute the Sorting Hat says they're Slytherin. So that was the one that that's very similar to the Sky High criticism. Why are these supervillains being trained by the greatest teachers in the world? Oh yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. Especially um, the scene with Save the Citizen, that gym game that they play, where the two like, two of the main villains of the movie uh, they're asked, "Oh, what do you want to be? The heroes or the villains?" The villains. Oh, well, there's a surprise. 
<laughs> so, and they just they just keep attacking the heroes over and over and over, and no one says anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not sure how many how much of my audience knows this movie. I originally thought almost nobody knows this movie because it's one that kind of slipped under the radar and came out and made no impact. But again, I'm there's people your age. I think a lot of people your age have fond memories of this. So I'm not sure if we're wasting time explaining the plot of this. But yeah, that's. That's what Sky High is, this, this superhero school in the sky with this, this amazing cast, one of my favorite casts of any movie of that era, and so many little in-jokes and inside jokes to other movies in the past or other roles, to the, I mean, to the point that Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, plays the principal, and at one point in the movie she literally says, I can't do everything, I'm not Wonder Woman. Yeah. And that's a great line right there. Absolutely. And then, of course, Kurt Russell as the commander is just incredible. Um, and I actually, I also really like the actress, uh, Danielle Panabaker. Um, so she's actually now on the Flash TV series as, uh, Caitlin Snow, or uh, Killer Frost. And, uh, yeah, something else I noticed in this movie, and I was going to save this for my trivia at the end, the main, uh, the villain in this movie, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is her name, I believe. Yep, that's right. She became like a big actress after this, and it's funny, in this movie, she plays the villain. She plays a villain named Royal Payne, and the hero in this is played by Kurt Russell, and they flip-flop their roles a couple years later in the movie Death Proof by a Quentin Tarantino, where Kurt Russell plays the villain and she plays the hero. And then there's even more of a connection where uh, they remade The Thing a couple years after that, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays like the lead, where she plays the old Kurt Russell role. So there's a lot of little things that kind of came out of this movie that are neat little trivia bits. Oh, definitely. Um, and also, I think um, the the guy who's like the clown slash uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett or Gwen's father is, um, I think he's also the principal in um, the show Community. Have you seen Community? I have. I know exactly. I forget what his name is, but I know exactly what he is. I think I, I think you're correct. I, I was I was watching the movie today trying to pick out where do I know that guy from? And that is that is the principal. Yeah, he's another really funny bit in that movie. Just the, the clown coming out and around. He's sort of like a male Harley Quinn. Okay, um, we're about to walk through the plot of this movie for either people who haven't seen it or just kind of a, kind of a fun little reminiscence for people who have seen it. But before we do that, I just want to say the soundtrack in this movie that is something that I absolutely love. And for people who don't remember, it's it's for some reason this movie it's set in in 2005, but it's got an entire 80s soundtrack. Every single song is like a cover of some big hit 80s song, which is the oddest thing. I'm not sure why they did that, but it's just it lends it a very very uh, again teen movie quality. You said at the start it's it's a it kind of stood out at the time because it was it was funny compared to other comedies of that era. What happens when I look at it is it, it reminds me of the movie Not Another Teen Movie kind of in a way. It just kind of has the same color palette, the same sounds, the same soundtrack, the same style. It's really similar to that movie in some ways. Oh, sure. I think it like it lends itself much more to like a campy like kids comic book before they turn dark and gritty almost. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much pre what superhero movies later became. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's walk through Sky High here, this movie with a fantastic cast. Again, I can't reiterate enough how many fun actors are in this movie playing little bit parts, but I, Nick, are you ready? Anything else you wanted to say before we do our little walkthrough here? No, let's do it. Um, before we go, have you uh, developed your superpower yet? Just wanted to make sure. Have I developed my superpower yet? Um, I, I wish. <laughs> I, uh, I I'm not I'm not lifting anything uh, real high and I'm I'm not getting thrown out of out of windows and starting to fly quite yet. Uh, I'll let you know. Okay, so the plot of Sky High is thus: 
there are two the most popular superheroes in the world. Their names are The Commander and Jetstream, played by Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston. Uh, Kurt Russell, obviously, big-name actor, many, many years. He, it's funny because he even started his career as a Disney child actor, so coming back to a Disney movie here later in his career, he kind of has even said in interviews it was a dream come true, kind of doing that again. And then uh, Kelly Preston plays Jetstream. Are you familiar with Kelly Preston? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm not really, actually. You're not a child of the 80s. Ch children of the 80s would know her very well. Most people only know her because she is married to John Travolta. She's Mrs. John Travolta. But in the 80s, she would be widely considered one of the hottest teen actors. Like all the actors of the, the day that were in the, the teen movies and stuff. She was the absolute standout, like the hottest girl in the 80s. And then she kind of got married to Travolta and retired. But yeah, that was her. This is like one of her big comeback roles. You didn't see much of her after she got married. Well, she's, I mean, she's a lot of fun in the movie, so that's that's really too bad if she was such, a, such an icon that I missed out on that time period. I mean, I do like going back to, uh, like, the 80s and 90s for movies, but yeah, I just haven't, uh, I haven't gotten the chance to see much of her yet. I mean, I will say, I grew up in the 80s. Anybody who was a teen boy in the 80s knew who Kelly Preston was, and for people who would like to see her at her peak, go watch the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where she plays his girlfriend. I'll just say that. That's the one with Danny DeVito, right? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, I've been told to watch that before, so I maybe I maybe I'll get on that this weekend. Okay, so we have the Commander and Jetstream, and again, they're kind of the equivalent to Superman and Wonder Woman. And in this universe, they have saved the world many, many times. They got together, they hooked up, they got married, they settled down. And kind of like the Incredibles, they have a, a home life now where they're real estate agents. They sell, they take a, uh, what are their names? They, take, they have taken pseudonyms of Steve and Josie Stronghold, and they sell real estate. And this is their day job as, from time to time, they are still called on to save the world. Like, I love the scene, like, at the beginning when they're just, you know, on the phone selling some real estate, and then they get a call from the mayor and just immediately, like, jump down some fireman poles down into the secret sanctum to change. I love that whole scene at the beginning, actually, with the with the giant robot. You know which one I'm talking about? Because the newscaster guy from the beginning is just sitting there totally just narrating straight-faced what's going on. And there's this ginormous robot in the middle of the city crushing buildings, likely killing hundreds of people. And it's just there's no tragedy uh, or anything like that like going on. It's just, you know, little little everyday stuff for that world. Yeah, it, it's very matter of fact, as if a giant robot attacks the world every couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> which I just watching that last night, like that was a scene that really just got me. It's like. Because it, it's just it's just absurd, which I which I love about it. Like that really get, like makes me <laughs> makes me laugh. It almost reminds me of that episode of like Powerpuff Girls, where a bunch of monsters just come uh, and get defeated every single day because it's an honor to be beat up by the Powerpuff Girls, and that's just their life. <laughs> that sounds like an S and M video of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> it very well might be, uh, but <laughs> I won't necessarily go down that road right now. <laughs> yeah. For anybody who wants to Google S&M slash fic featuring the Powerpuff Girls, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so the newscaster is just talking, and there's these uh, these giant robots attacking the city, and the newscaster just sits there, on, and he's talking matter-of-factly on the news. Like, they're just kind of waiting for the commander and Jetstream to come and stop it, because, again, we get the sense that in this universe, that's just what happens. They show up, and they save the day. And it really, I didn't even realize until we started talking how similar this movie is to The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. 
And it's like, and again, this came first. This is several years before The Incredibles. And man, like, if you like The Incredibles, this is almost the exact same movie. It's like very similar in tone, style, everything. Yeah, I mean, The Incredibles itself is a, is a really awesome movie. I'm looking forward to the second one, actually. Okay, and so we have uh, the Commander and we have Jetstream. They're the biggest, most powerful, famous superheroes in the world. And they have married and had a child. And this, this, this is the story of their son. His name is Will Stronghold. Off the top of my head, I don't remember the actor's name. Do you know what his name is? Michael Angarano or something like that. I don't think he actually did anything uh, after this movie. I looked him up a little while back and I was like, I didn't recognize him from anything else except this particular movie. Well, I mean, after once again, after you play the son of the commander in Jetstream, what is there to do, honestly? Really, that's that's all there is in life. I'd be done with movies immediately if I had gotten that role. Yeah, I don't know whatever happened to him where he is today. I hope it's not like tied up in a basement being spanked by the Powerpuff Girls. I hope it's not something like that. I hope he's listening. If he is listening, I hope he's okay. Now we're going back down the S&M video road. (laughs) Going right back down that path. It's a Disney movie. We got to make this dark. We got to clean it up a little for the adults. Of course, absolutely. Okay, so again, this is the story of Will Stronghold, the child of the most famous superheroes in the world, and it's his first day of high school today, and that's that's a big deal in a child of any superhero in this world where they're going to go to this magic school up in the sky called Sky High, which where the superheroes are trained in their powers and how to use them for good and how to make death rays and freeze rays and magic rays and all sorts of fun arcane things. Again, it could not be more similar to Harry Potter. And this is Will's first day of school, and he has a big problem, and this is a big deal for him because apparently in this universe, when you're a child of a superhero, you develop a powers. At some point in your life, some sort of power manifests itself in you and comes out, and when you go up to sky high, this becomes what you're trained in. But it's Will's first day of high school, and he has yet to develop his superpower. And this is a problem because, again, he's the son of Superman and Wonder Woman, basically, and he has no powers, and he's embarrassed, and he has not told anybody about this yet. Yeah, and I that whole sequence of going to school and, and getting placed into either hero or sidekick is, for me, one of the funnier scenes in the, in the movie. Because, first of all, we meet Ron Wilson, bus driver, yes. who is just one of the best side characters in the whole movie and of course sonic boom as well um and you have that whole scene where he's just having all the different students come up and show their powers and it starts with that one like really nerdy looking kid um who looks kind of uh he looks well he looks kind of like arnold from uh from the magic school bus almost i would describe him as (laughs) he gets up on on the stage and he turns into a giant rock monster so again, like total theater of the absurd, and they just uh, they also in the in this gym have a car that they hang from the ceiling to drop on top of students uh, in order to test their strength uh, if they believe that that is necessary, which uh, I, I love as well. Yeah, I love that that's a tradition. They have so many prospective superheroes with super strength that they just have a car on the ceiling they can drop on them, and that's their test. Test your strength. And it, it's and it's like an old beat up car too. It's not like a brand new car. It's like they went and found this like rusty old race car from a junkyard and just hung it from the ceiling to drop <laughs> on top of students, which I think is great in the first place. Yes. This is really the signature scene in this movie. Whenever I think of Sky High, this is the scene I think of and what Nick's talking about is it's called Hero Placement. These kids, they go on this secret bus driven by this guy, Ron Wilson, bus driver, played by Kevin Heffernan, I believe his name is. Do you know him from Super Troopers? Are you familiar with Super Troopers? 
I actually, I'm gonna. It's this. This is gonna be unfortunate. I have not seen Super Troopers. Yeah, not everyone has seen it. It's it's kind of a cult hit, and it's it's it might have been a little before your time. But for people who know Super Troopers, that's uh, Officer Farva, who is absolutely the funniest guy in Super Troopers, steals every scene he's in. And this is the other big movie he was known for, where he plays Ron Wilson, bus driver, and he's so earnest and eager just to please these kids. I love him in this. He's so different than Farva. But yeah, so they all fly up to their school, and we get to meet uh, Will and his friends. He's got this girl, Layla, who's got a power. She can summon nature. And then we get to meet the student body president, Gwen Grayson. We get to meet all these nerds. And yeah, we go to Hero Placement, which is what Nicholas was talking about. And this is, again, the big signature scene in this movie where they have to go up on stage in the gym, and they must demonstrate their superpower for everyone to see. And this is where they have a judge. And the judge, of course, is played by one of the greatest B-movie actors of all time, Bruce Campbell, making a rare cameo here. Bruce Campbell plays Coach Boomer. You know the Evil Dead movies, right? Are you familiar with those, at least? Yes, I know the Evil Dead movies. I actually tried out for an Evil Dead musical at one point. Wow. Were you a Deadite? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't get cast, unfortunately. I did see it, though. It was pretty awesome. Wait, you didn't get cast as a zombie? How do you not, how do you not nail the zombie role? Uh, they only cast, like, six actors, and there were, like, 20 people who tried out, and I just missed out, unfortunately. Okay. But you do know, okay, so we do know who Bruce Campbell is. Yes. Okay, yeah. So for people who don't know, when I keep talking about what an amazing cast this movie has, yeah, so here, so we got Farva from Super Troopers, and now we got Bruce Campbell as the guy that judge, jury, and executioner. He will determine these kids' futures in the superhero career path that they have. They show off their superpowers, and he immediately judges them. They will either be a hero or hero support, which is a politically correct word for sidekick, which is the death knell for any young superhero if you get placed into hero support. Oh, yeah, and... What I really love is that all of the powers are either very distinctly superhero or very distinctly, like, like they suck. Because um, <laughs> you have the sidekick who, like, melts into a puddle, the one guy who blows, um, and then you've got the girl who uh, turns into a guinea pig. I really like her, actually, because uh, the guinea pig voice that they put on screen whenever she turns into a guinea pig is just being completely crass just cracks me up where she just says bite me over and over again to anyone who makes fun of the fact that she's a guinea pig yeah there's, i'm trying to think of some other superpowers you forgot to mention you, you mentioned the really good one the guy who melts into a puddle one of my favorite the lamest superpower ever there's one girl who like turns into a beach ball <laughs> that's her superpower well and then and then of course uh bruce campbell drop kicks her after she turns into a ball because that's just acceptable to do to students as well. Of course. In Sky High, you have none of those uh, brutality against student rules. Yeah, of course. And again, this, again, if you don't even want to watch this full movie, just Google this scene. I know someone has to have put it on YouTube. Just put Sky High Superhero Power Placement. It's one of the funniest scenes I've seen in any movie of that era. And Bruce Campbell is having such a ball, just screaming, Hero or Sidekick, just for after every single power. <laughs> It's wonderful. And then, yeah, we get this dichotomy right away that obviously the cool kids in school are the heroes and the loser kids are the sidekicks. And it will become a very obvious dichotomy real quick. And poor Will here, Will does not have his superpower. And what's funny is he gets to school. And again, not I keep saying it, how close this is to Harry Potter, that Will shows up and everybody knows who he is. He's like a celebrity, like, oh, my God, that's Will Stronghold. That's the that's the son of Commander and Jetstream. So everyone's just kissing his butt. Ron Wilson thinks he's like a celebrity. And then Will gets up here in power placement and he has no powers. He can't show it off. 
they drop the car on him, do the drop the car trick, and Will almost dies. And then uh, Coach Boomer's, like, furious that someone would dare show up at Sky High without a power. And then Will is immediately branded the worst thing that a, a child of the Commander and Jetstream could be. He is branded Sidekick! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it just... But even prior to that, without uh, powers at all, you have him getting a car dropped on top of him and him having to lie face down underneath to avoid getting killed. And then after he's like, Oh, well you might be a flyer. He just somehow has some sort of spring on that stage as well and throws will directly across the gym into a column. Yeah. That's, they have all these little contraptions set up to test these kids powers. Yeah. So will is flung into a wall. He can't fly. He's just embarrassed. He's labeled a sidekick. And now we cut to what I think is one of my favorite lines in any movie of the 2000s where Will goes to the nurse. Do you know which line I'm talking about here? There's a real subtle joke in this line. Uh, it's, it's not the hazardous waste one, is it? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, the one where... I've been practicing this. Let me Let me do this one. Okay, so Will has been tested, and he has been found wanting. He has no powers, and he's in the nurse's office because he was thrown into a wall. And it's played by Cloris Leachman, very famous comedian. Again, the, the cast in this movie is ridiculous. Cloris Leachman goes way back to, like, uh, what, Mel Brooks and Sid Caesar. She's worked with all of these people. She's very famous. And, in fact, in the original Wonder Woman show, she played uh, Linda Carter's mother. She actually plays the mother of Wonder Woman, so it's funny that she would be here in a superhero movie. But, yeah, Cloris Leachman plays the nurse, and she's uh, testing out Will, and she and Will says, you know, I don't have any superpowers. When are my superpowers going to show up? And, and she has a great speech here. I wrote this down. This is one of my favorite lines ever in a comedy movie. She says, well, maybe you'll be a late bloomer. And she says, you know, the kids who get bit by radioactive insects or fall into a vat of toxic waste, their powers usually show up the next day or they die. <laughs> Which is such a and she delivers it so straight. I don't know how she doesn't laugh at that last part, but... So there you go. So the kids who fall into toxic waste either get powers right away, which is amazing, or they die. And that will actually be a running joke throughout this movie. Like, at one point, the parents, the commander and Jetstream, are wondering why Will doesn't have superpowers. And the, and the mom is like, well, maybe he needed to fall, fall into a vat of toxic waste. And, like, the dad literally thinks about it. Maybe we should get some <laughs> toxic waste. So it's just a running gag that toxic waste is how you turn a kid into a superhero. I don't even think he actually says anything. He just, like, smiles as if that's, you know, that's the idea. Like, oh, my God, you've thought of the solution. I, so I personally find those jokes particularly funny because in my day job, um, when I initially got hired by my company, so we handle and dispose of hazardous waste in my actual day job. And in my initial onboarding training, they actually had a section to explain to anybody onboarding that uh, getting exposed to hazardous material will not turn you into a superhero. <laughs> you really have that? It really says that? Yeah, that was that was, written, that was in my onboarding trading. They had, a, they had a PowerPoint slide on it and everything. Now, have they actually done the test on that, or are they just saying that to avoid people? I mean, has there actually been a test? Did they throw people into toxic ways to see what happens? You know, I don't think they actually have. So they're either lying or they're just afraid of liability uh, because people have died doing it before. But, you know, I'm not above uh, corporate corporate lying. So maybe they're just lying. Maybe they just don't want people to become great. You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> You're, I actually hoping I'm going to be in a in a new job starting a couple of week a couple weeks from now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. OK, we'll see what the toxic waste vat policy is at that job. Hopefully that's a little more uh, liberal. Ha, ha, ha.
Yes, I'll uh, I'll I'll keep you up to date on that one. Thank you. Well, now see now I know. I was wondering why you wanted to do the Sky High podcast so bad, and now I realize that you're my toxic waste expert. So I'm very excited. Now now the pieces all fall into place. Of course, yes. I've got I've got a lot of a lot of personal connection that way. Okay, so Will is not. He has no powers. He's been embarrassed. He's been labeled a sidekick, and he and he has to go home with his tail between his legs and meet his mom and dad. And you know they're all excited that their their son's a superhero, and they don't know he has no powers. And even worse, they don't know he's been labeled a sidekick, which is you know as second class citizen as you could become. And so uh, the dad brings him downstairs, and he introduces him. And this is this will become a running thing in the movie that every superhero apparently has a secret sanctum that they have in their basement. It's like their lair. We go down to the commander's secret sanctum, and he's got all his trophies and all the all the villains he's killed, and all these props. And there's this one prop in there, which is a uh, it's called the pacifier. It's like this gun that he took from when, when he defeated his arch rival Royal Pain. And Kurt Russell says, you know, that's my proudest achievement. And one day you'll have your own trophy room, son. And it's just it's just a uh, uh, that 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 weapon, the pacifier, will come back later in the movie, but it's just mentioned here as the the greatest accomplishment that he ever pulled off. I mean, that pacifier is essentially the checkoff gun of the of the movie. Okay, so at this point, um, Will has still not told his parents that he's a lowly sidekick. He has no superpowers, but he's still shuttled off to Sky High every day up with Ron Wilson, bus driver. And we get to see all these classes that he's in. He's in, like, hero support class led by uh, this guy. What is his name? Uh, All-American boy. And again, that's this running gag that there's this universe where all these superheroes around the world have had all these sidekicks. And, and so he's in sidekick class. And basically, you learn in sidekick class and some of the little visual gags here, like how to... How to use a grappling hook. What is it? How to like do laundry or something. How to use a net. And there's a whole thing that the sidekick costumes can't clash with the superhero costume. So the superhero will make sure your colors are in sync and stuff. Yeah, and they have that whole scene um, where they have to learn how to do the quick the quick costume change. So to be able to run behind a wall and then immediately come out with their costume on the other side. <laughs> like, yes. See, that's what I mean. That's like what I'm talking about when I mean like it is just super campy, corny in all of the best ways possible so that it, it almost lampoons the superhero genre in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I, it's almost like this movie would be a bigger hit now, now that superhero movies are so popular because it it makes fun of a lot of the tropes that all of a sudden now we have in every movie out there. That's kind of what I was uh, saying at the be- beginning, because like when this came out, it was like right around that Batman trilogy and also the the uh, Spider-Man trilogy that was coming out, which were both relatively dark or like gritty reboot, like, you know, versions of those superhero movies. And there was this thing that at that time that like superhero movies uh, only worked if they were believable or, you know, you could, you know, believe that they could actually happen in real life, which to me is like, why what's the i mean these are superheroes like that there's going to be nothing believable about that in the first place why do i need a superhero film that's grounded in reality no i agree with you it's this and this movie kind of straddles both those lines it's where it's in the real world it's very much like it could happen and then you go up to sky high and it's clearly would never happen in the real world it's so clearly fantasy it's so over the top and again it's almost almost not another teen movie level of camp yeah I mean, like all the all the little tropes in it are just like really what they just make the movie. They really make the movie for me. Just those like tiny little moments, like the running behind the the um, the changing screen, and they don't even have costumes for them at that point. They're just changing into gym clothes real fast. So that like <laughs> yeah, that's gym class. <laughs> yeah, well, gym class right before they have to uh, you know jump and save this mannequin from over the spinning death trap. 
uh, later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the other signature scene in this movie, and we'll get to it in a minute, but in gym class, they play a game. Like, in a normal high school, you'd play kickball or dodgeball or something. In this one, you play Save the Citizen, where they dangle this mannequin into this uh, whirling thing of gears and, like, chompers, and they have to save the citizen before they get crushed. So it's, that's their gym class. <laughs> just that, that whole scene, and the fact that they... It's not just a mannequin, but it's a mannequin that they've uh, given, like, voice modulation to. So you have this fake, <laughs> this fake mannequin that's, like, fake kicking and screaming going, Help me! Help me! Ah, oh, help me! Yeah. <laughs> that just It just adds, <laughs> takes it to that next level. And again, that's, it just seems like a scene you would, would have seen in The Incredibles. That's the type of thing, the type of humor you get in this movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. Like the bad guy in Incredibles is Syndrome, and he definitely would have made a made a death trap like that. Oh yeah, and he would have been a star student here at Sky High. Oh for sure. Well, I, well, it's it, it's interesting because he um, he doesn't have any powers uh, Syndrome in the Incredibles. So he his whole thing is he's just really good at building really interesting technology. So almost like a direct comparison between uh, the two films in a lot of ways. It's just both of bad guys are really good at ma uh, handling uh, technology. And Syndrome more than likely would have been a sidekick. Boomer would not have appreciated his gifts. Oh, no. Well, especially that opening scene where um, he's, he's Incrediboy. Yeah, that would not have impressed Coach Boomer. Coach Boomer would have kicked the crap out of him off that stage. <laughs> would, have, would, have, would have screamed him out the window. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's. We have a couple other characters here. We're kind of neglecting. We got we got Will. He's now been lowered into uh, hero support, so he's in the lower cast system. And his friends. Yeah, we got. Uh, what are their names here? We got Zach who glows. We got Ethan who melts. We have Magenta who turns into a guinea pig. And we have uh, his girlfriend's name. I always forget her name. Layla. Yeah, Layla. So Layla. So that's his support system. And then we got this one guy. His name is War and Peace. He's like. Uh, like, Will already has an archenemy, and it's one of these things that Warren's dad was captured many years ago by the commander, so he hates Will. They're like the children of archenemies. So Will has no superpowers. He's been relegated to the lower part of the school, and he already has an arch rival who wants to kill him and who has this power where he, he can, like, summon fireballs at any point. So Will is not doing well at school his first couple of days. No, absolutely. And actually, Warren is another example of that, you know, clear, obvious villain Type archetype, you know, loner, anger issues, and uh, is willing to throw fireballs at people who make him mad. Yet there's absolutely no problem with training him, him as a hero. Yeah, I take offense with the with some of the decisions that Principal Powers makes at this school. I do not think she runs a very good school. No, she 100% does not. So Linda Carter, we're calling you out. You run a crappy school. You run a a, a bullcrap school, Linda. <laughs> Okay, so we, we have these scenes now where Will is hanging out with his little loser group, all the sidekicks, and they come home down to Earth, and they're, like, studying, and, and one day the commander walks in, you know, the biggest superhero in the world, and he sees them all studying, and commander's like, hey, nice to meet all you kids. And again, only Kurt Russell could have played this role. It's so over the top. Like, hey, nice to see you kids. I'm the commander, the greatest hero in the world. Tell me about your powers. And they're like, hi, I'm Ethan. I melt. And I'm Zach. I glow in the dark. And it's funny watching his face just drop when he sees these losers his son is hanging out with. And then uh, 
at one point his son will explains to his dad well dad there these aren't heroes these are sidekicks and and the commander's like, whoa, well, that's very noble of you, son, hanging out with these lowly sidekicks. <laughs> so I was like, well, um, I'm kind of a sidekick too, Dad. It's like <laughs> breaking his father's heart. Like in a real movie, this would be like, I don't want to play football. I don't want to. I don't want your life, like in uh, Varsity Blues. But yeah, it's so the commander has to come to terms with the fact that his son has come out of the closet, and in this sense, that means he is a sidekick, and that's horrible. So something I don't think we've uh, also pointed out. The kid who glows, Zach, we still have not actually seen him glow up to this point in the movie. We just assume he's telling the truth um, because we've never actually seen him in an area where the lights are off. (laughs) Because that's the most effective superhero, the one who has to tell you he has a power, but you just have to believe him because you might see it later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just I love the the just them sitting around and actually like. The fact that they have these questions on, well, if your hero does this, do you hand hand them uh, this piece of equipment, hand them this piece of equipment, or hand them this piece of equipment? And it's like, well, why can't I just use this myself? Well, no, the hero has to save the day. You're just the sidekick. Yeah. At one point, we learned that Mr. – what was his name? Uh, All-American Boy? He used to be the commander's sidekick, and one of his jobs was he made a scrapbook for him. That's what the sidekick does. He makes a scrapbook for his hero. And not only that, Will didn't even know about All-American Boy because his father never talked about him, never gave him any credit for any of his uh, heroics whatsoever. Yeah, and nothing explains the cast system more than that, that the, the sidekick is so low that the hero doesn't even remember his name. I don't even remember I had a sidekick. That's how much of an impact the, the, the hero support makes on the hero's life. <laughs> yeah they really are they're, they're just the peons of superhero society <laughs> yes. so will at a certain point gets in a fight here there's these two bullies in school their names are speed and lash i believe is that correct yeah i think that's right and so they kind of start a fight between will and his arch enemy war and peace and war and peace and and Will get in a big fight in the cafeteria, and they're throwing fireballs and stuff. And again, you don't want superheroes fighting in your cafeteria. It's a bad idea. There's a lot of collateral property damage. But there is some nice news here is that in the middle of this fight, Will learns all of a sudden he has super strength. It all of a sudden blossoms, and he didn't even have to fall into a vat of toxic waste, so it's awesome. So he like he gets detention, he gets kicked out of school for a day or something, and he goes home, and like his mom is furious. Like, how dare you have superpowers and use them at school? That's just irresponsible. And then his dad, Commander, is like, way to go, son, and pulls him down and buys him a new Xbox because his kid has superpowers now. So it's like Will is slowly developing superpowers. And at this point, what happens is because he is all of a sudden has this super strength, they reclassify him, which is an unprecedented thing at that sky high, that he has changed from hero support to hero. And he goes to the the uh, the popular kids all of a sudden. This will become a, a great conflict in that all of a sudden Will is one of the popular kids and all his friends are the lowly sidekicks. And it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that scene down in the secret sanctum. So this would be another comparable to The Incredibles because as soon as uh, Will gets his powers and the dad is real proud, that kind of reminds me of um, that whole scene where Dash in The Incredibles actually sticks a tack on the teacher's chair when he's not looking. And uh-huh. uh, Mr. Incredible's like really proud of Dash. It's like, wow, you must have been growing really fast because they weren't even able to catch you <laughs> on camera. Again, another scene that's very, uh, again, almost shot for shot remake in The Incredibles. But this movie came first. It's the same type of thing. It was The Incredibles before The Incredibles. 
All right, so Will's in his new classes, and when he's with the new popular kids, and he gets to meet the uh, the student body president, Gwen Grayson, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was one of the big standouts in this movie. And, and she is a technopath, which is someone who can manipulate technology with her mind. Again, like you said, like Syndrome in The Incredibles. And there's a great line here in this movie that he's in... Uh, uh, secret ray class, ray gun class, where you're building freeze rays or death rays. And I don't, again, I don't know why, why they would teach death ray technology to prospective heroes, but I guess maybe you do have to know that. So, so a little running gag at, uh, that continues in that scene is um, they constantly have scenes where a student gets frozen either by a freeze <laughs> ray or by a superhero with ice powers. And But in this particular scene, in order to test out the freeze ray, the teacher grabs the freeze ray and, and just freezes one of the students. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I should point out, the teacher here is, uh, what is his name? Uh, I don't remember his name, but he's played by Kevin McDonald from The Kids in the Hall, a sketch comedy group from the 90s. And then Dave Foley, another member of The Kids in the Hall, played All-American Boy. So there's that kind of running gag. You got two of the Kids in the Hall guys in here. But yeah, this the, the line that I love in this scene, the, the death ray scene, is where... Uh, Gwen Grayson, you know, teaches Will how to how to build her uh, how to build a freeze ray, and then the teacher comes by and and uh, she could and, and Gwen Grayson says, you know, I'm a technopath, I can control technology with my mind, and Will says, huh, well I can just hit stuff real hard, and the teacher <laughs> walks by and says, yeah, he'll be the one on the cereal boxes. Show me the justice in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one, that one, that one's really, I like that one a lot. Um, well, and especially because, like, he's, again, the son of Jetstream and the Commander, so just by his uh, lineage alone, he's going to automatically be more famous and more popular. So Will hooks up with the, uh, the the student body council president, Gwen Grayson, and she offers to be his per private tutor, and she starts flirting with him. And unbeknownst to us, but knownst only to her, uh, she is actually the supervillain in this movie. She's trying to worm her way into the commander in Jetstream's house. She wants to get down into the secret sanctum, and she wants to get her hands on that gun, the pacifier gun, because we will we will find out later her lineage and why she needs it. But anyway, so she starts working over Will, and Will, again, is hanging out with these popular kids. He's kind of getting swayed, and they're all kind of dicks. And then we get the, uh, the, this is the Save the Citizen game. This is the real big one where, where Will is challenged. These two bullies in school challenge him. They, you're just Will Stronghold. You think you're such big crap. You're just some freshman. Let's have a game of Save the Citizen. And so this is a, ostensibly this thing that they do in gym class all the time. And you got these two villains, Speed and Lash, who are unstoppable in Save the Citizen. They will always kill the heroes. And again, like, you, like Nick said, they are super villains in training. And they're proud of it. And they're just openly flouting it. We're going to be super villains. And you play this game where the heroes and villains fight to save a citizen. And these bad guys always win. So Will gets drawn into this game of Save the Citizen. His arch enemy, War and Peace, comes in and they have to be teammates. And this is Will's shining moment where he really proves that he can be a hero. What I like about that as well is that um, Will gets pressured into doing Save the Citizen by the, uh, the, his, the kid who melts because it's, he makes a bet with the two bullies that either Will will beat them and save the citizen and they have to stop flushing his head in a toilet every day or if will loses there he will willingly go to the bathroom every day and let them flush his head in the toilet like that's the stakes of save the citizen uh that will's behind right there <laughs> yeah it, and it's a great scene where will and war and peace have to work together and they finally defeat these guys speed and lash and they save the little mannequin in save the citizen the one is dropping down yelling help me help me 
And it's a real, again, the, the other big standout scene in the movie. Very, very famous scene, very funny. And then Will becomes his big shot, and now he's hooking up with Gwen Grayson. He's Mr. Popular on the campus. Everyone loves him. And at one point, she even asks him to prom. And then uh, there's, there, oh, this is the funny scene that, I, that you had mentioned earlier. Her dad, Gwen Grayson's dad, is played by the, yeah. uh, the principal from uh, Community. There's a scene where he's kissing her outside her, uh, her door, and he's getting ready to drop her off for the night. And her dad comes out. And it's, again, it's the, the community principal, and he sees Will standing there, and he's like, you're not that boy with six arms, are you? And Will's <laughs> like, oh, no, no, just two arms. He's like, oh, good, keep them to yourself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's hard to take that, that his, like, death stare that he's giving Will all that seriously at that point because, uh, because of the fact that I know him as that character from Community, and he's just a, such a different, like, dweeby character in, the, in there. So Gwen has invited herself over to the Stronghold's house, and she's kind of casing out the joint. She wants to get into that inner sanctum, and she starts telling the story. We learn kind of her history, that her father is inactive. He used to be a superhero, but he's not. And they ask about her mother, and her mother, she says, well, my mother died. And what, what we will find out later, we'll get to the fact that she actually is her mother. It's a very complicated thing. Well, the commander defeated her many years ago, and she was turned into a baby. She's going to come back. Now that she's grown, she's 18 years later. She's, she's a teenager now. She's going to get her revenge. So she worms her way down into the sanctum. They throw a party. She worms her way down there. They steal the pacifier gun, which was, again, the number one thing that com the commander had ever done in his life. He had defeated this villain, Royal Payne, and stolen his pacifier gun. And then Gwen manages to get it back. And now reset the stage for really the last part of the movie, which is Gwen Grayson ascending to her role as an evil master villain and getting her revenge. And it's all going to take place at Homecoming, and Gwen has set this trap. She's invited the commander and Jetstream to, there's going to be an award they're going to give away at Homecoming for like the best superheroes of the century or the year or something, and they're invited. They're going to be the guests of honor. She's got Will coming there, and it's this whole thing where she's got it all set up for a trap that she's going to basically kill every famous superhero in the world and take over the world i like how you know for just being a superhero movie but also like a teen high school movie uh, it just follows that trope of every single climax of every you know teenager movie happens at either homecoming or prom of course and they do comment on that many times in the movie that yeah we're, we're in a superhero high school but it's still a high school we still got to deal with all this high school crap they they reference that several times in the movie that it's really just a high school movie that happens to involve superheroes yeah, absolutely. Well, and then the the whole thing with the pacifier at this point is it's a gun that's going to turn anybody it hits into a baby. And mm -hmm. Royal Pain at that point is going to raise all of these super babies as supervillains at her own school. Though I would argue that they were already raising supervillains in the first place, but I've said that already. That's a valid point. Valid points, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see this is this just reminds me of like one of those like silly old super friends plots like if you go back and watch one of the original episodes of super friends from back in the day like one of the old plots would have been like the legion of doom is trying to steal all the money in the world <laughs> so that they can be the only ones with money it's like that level of plot which i just really <laughs> i just really appreciate uh, about the direction that they took this. It's not, she's not trying to destroy the world or whatever. She's turning everybody into a baby and she's going to raise an army of babies to rule the world. 
I'm so excited that you're a Super Friends fan because I grew up on that cartoon in the 70s and 80s and I watched it every day and I, I was entranced by, yeah, the low-level plots of some of those villains. Like, <laughs> we are going to go here and we will steal just this amount of money. Like, well, you're a super villain. <laughs> Aim a little higher than that. And then, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. At the Hall of Justice. Yeah. I loved the Super Friends growing up. That was, like, one of my favorite shows as a kid. I watched it every day when I got home from school. Um, I I distinctly remember just the Wonder Twins uh, and how the girl ha- was actually able to turn into, like, animals and attack things, but the, the boy Wonder Twin was just totally useless, could only turn into some form of water. Sidekick! <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, so, but then uh, that would have been interesting because probably the girl Wonder Twin would have been a hero and the boy Wonder Twin would have been uh, the would have been a sidekick. They would have had to take completely different classes. Well, that's true, but that would make sense because they wear the same costume and she would have chosen the costume. We learn in this movie oh, right. that the super, yeah, the hero names the sidekick. They pick the cost, the, the sidekick's costume. So it's very possible that Jaina was the hero, Zan was the sidekick, and they're just following the trope set in this movie. So you've kind of blown my mind. I'd never realized until now that he was just her little bitch, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. That was basically the, the whole entire thing. Well, and I mean, like another one of those dumb, like dumb ideas was there was another one where they were going to transform the whole world into an army of bizarros and cheetahs, which the bizarro I understand because like he's kind of like some sort of other weird creature from another dimension. But then in the Super Friends TV show, Cheetah is just a woman wearing a cat suit. And somehow they're turning half of the world's people into uh, a woman wearing a cat suit to rob banks. <laughs> okay, I have to mention this. I might get in trouble for this one. Are you a Saturday Night Live fan? Because I did a sketch on SNL about a year and a half ago, which very much makes fun of this fact that super villains never really had super evil plans. Uh, I don't think I've seen that sketch. I, ha- I haven't watched a lot of recent SNL. Okay. There's a sketch on about a year and a half ago, and... People hated it when it was on, and I just laughed my ass off because it's exactly what you're talking about, that these superheroes in the cartoons or the supervillains would would have plans that weren't really all that villainous. They were just kind of nasty a little bit. (laughs) And so they had a sketch on SNL, and again, I apologize for my listeners already that that they know which sketch I'm going to talk about. It stars, uh, there's an evil scientist convention, and they're having a, a contest to come up with the most evil invention in the world. And so they have all these people come up. This is my freeze ray. It will freeze national monuments. And then someone comes up. This is my shrink ray. This will shrink people down. (laughs) Then they have Dwayne Johnson. He comes up on there. And again, this is his entry in the most evil invention contest. He says, well, I invented a child molesting robot. (laughs) All the other villains are like, what? And he's like, well, I just went a little different way than you guys did in this. I thought this was a most evil invention. (laughs) Like, So perfect for what exactly we were talking about. They did that on on TV. They did that on SNL. And they, they even asked him, like, how do you invent a child molesting robot? They're all curious. And he's like, well, you you build a normal robot and you molest it and you hope the cycle continues. Oh, that's so terrible. I, I thought that was the funniest SNL sketch because that's exactly what you're talking about. These super villains and cartoons don't actually do anything that's like evil. They just get like they're inconveniencing people. So that's a very famous SNL sketch from a year and a half ago that got a, a lot of negative press. A lot of people hated it. And I, I love that they had the balls to do that sketch on the air. 
That reminds me, it's it's like the same type of humor as that other SNL sketch with uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, where it was the meet your second wife game show. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> yes, I love that one too. Yeah, that one's awesome. That one's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is now the, the SNL podcast with Mario Lanza and Nick Tate. Thank you. Sorry, I'm going off on a million different tangents on you, Mario. <laughs> I can't believe I got to talk about that Dwayne Johnson SNL sketch. I'm so excited I have a, an outlet that that actually showed up in conversation. I'm happy to uh, fulfill that for you. <laughs> Google that sketch sometimes and listen to the audience's horrified reaction when they realize where it's going. I actually pulled it up on my laptop to watch afterward. <laughs> Okay, so it's homecoming, and Gwen Grayson's got her big master plan. That Again, many years ago, the commander defeated a, his arch-villain. His name was Royal Pain, and the Royal Pain had this gun called the Pacifier. When the gun exploded, this gun turns people into babies. So it exploded, it turned Royal Pain into a baby, and then she had to grow up all over again. Now she's 18, she's Gwen Grayson, she's got her gun back. And at homecoming, she really does pull off her plan. She pulls out her gun. She reestablishes herself as Royal Pain, and she basically blasts everybody there. All the superheroes, all the teachers, uh, the commander, Jetstream, everybody, they're all turned into little babies, and she is basically going to take over the world now. She's going to re-raise all these superheroes as supervillains, and to make matters worse, she set a little timer that's going to blow up, it's going to set off a bomb, knock sky high, out of the sky, it's going to plummet to the earth, and everything is going to, all superheroes are going to be gone forever. And really, there's only a couple people that can stop Royal Pain at this point and these are will and his friends the sidekicks and their best friend who we can't forget ron wilson bus driver who now has a chance to be a hero for once oh my god i just i love that ron just shows up in the middle of scene scenes like that <laughs> you get the sense he's stalking he's like stalking will stronghold like he's gonna have to put out a restraining order because ron wilson's always 10 feet away from him just fawning over him there's no there's no sense here he is 100 percent stalking will stronghold uh <laughs> well and there's all the, the, i mean even that scene where the, where will just looks out the window from the nurse's office earlier and uh ron wilson is uh fighting with a broomstick and manages to like break all the bus's windows by accident like just little scenes with him in there are just phenomenal yeah, Ron Wilson's low-key may be my favorite character in this movie, which is very impressive considering it's got Coach Boomer in there. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like you said at the beginning, like the whole movie is just riddled with really funny side characters mm -hmm. that just adds – they just add so much to the movie. And, I mean, the whole final fight scene where they, they just – they still, like, have – all of the sidekicks show off their powers. Mm -hmm. What I really love is that one scene where they're escaping through the vent and they're like, wow, it's kind of, it's kind of dark in here. Uh, wish we had a light. And we finally see Zach glow and we see him light up the vent area, which for everything, from everything I could see, wasn't even a maze. They were just going straight in one direction. <laughs> they just happened not to be able to see very well. And then even at the end, Will still pulls the vent off of off of where they're crawling through. <laughs> so more or less, the glowing guy still uh, happens to be useless by the end. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like Mystery Men here, where the people with the worst superpowers are the ones that are going to save the day. Yeah, they literally have to, we have to crawl in a vent. If only we had someone who's about gerbil or hamster size that could crawl through there, and they happen to have someone, that's their superpower. And then, if only we had someone that glows, we could see, and they have someone who glows. And then at one point, the, the kid who melts even saves the day, where one of the supervillains is running at will, he's going to kill him. And the kid melts into a puddle, the villain slips and goes crashing into the wall, and it's like... They actually found the one scenario where all their loser powers actually save the day, and it's one of these great, the, you know, the, the little uh, vagabonds come together and save the day, all the little scrappers. Well, so at least the kid who melts at one point actually did get back at the the guy who's basically evil Mr. Fantastic and mm-hmm. flushes his head down the toilet after kicking kicking him in the back of the head. So that he at least had a good scene, but basically... You just have, well, you know, the guinea pig power still kind of sucks, and the glowing power still definitely sucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but in the end of the, at the end of the movie, all the sidekicks and Ron Wilson have come together, and Will, at one point, he gets thrown out a window. Royal Payne throws him out a window, and they think that he's fallen off the edge of Sky High, and he's plummeting to his death. And all of a sudden, Will flies. He doesn't realize he can fly, that he has somehow inherited the powers of both his parents. He got the strength from the commander. He has the flight powers of Jetstream. And he just flies up. He saves the day. They knock out Royal Payne, and all the little losers have saved the day, and this is the thing, and... And then the, the mad scientist guy reinstates the pacifier and turns everybody back into adults and basically everything is back to normal and royal pain and all her cronies get thrown into the detention room. And the, the detention room has a magic spell around it where no superpowers work in there. So there's a big happy ending. And I do have to say, all throughout this podcast, I've been saying the pacifier. And for children of the 80s, this is a really obscure reference, but maybe someone out there will get it. If one person gets this, I will love it. But there was a video game, one of my favorite video games in the 80s called Space Ace. There was a bad guy that had a gun where he would shoot people and turn them into babies. And it was called the Infanto Ray. And it's been so hard for me to talk about this movie and talk about the pacifier and not accidentally call it the Infanto Ray. So I'm hoping there's at least one child of the 80s who gets what I'm talking about there. Unfortunately, I uh, I don't think I don't think that's me. I I uh, I started on the N64 in my in my video game life. Oh yeah, no, we know your heart lies with the Powerpuff slash fic. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so one one thing I will say about the, the so the whole ending montage of uh, the movie where um, I think Will has this like line of narration where he says, uh, "So in the end, my girlfriend became my arch enemy. My arch enemy became my best friend." And my best friend became my girlfriend. The the one that really caught me there was when he said my arch enemy became my best friend, um, referring to War and Peace, the his arch enemy throughout the movie. There are zero point zero scenes of the two of them ever interacting in a friendly way to make us believe that the two became best friends at any point beyond him just fighting on his side against Royal Payne's cronies at the end. Okay, so basically what I'm hearing is this movie totally works for you, is realistic, but when they get to that end, the end there, you call BS on it, because that's not realistic. <laughs> I, just, I, just find it, I just find it kind of funny at the end that they, just, they, threw, they threw that in there um, with absolutely no, no scenes to support it uh, up until that point. 
It's funny you say that because I was I was just googling or I was just looking up on the Internet Movie Database before we started recording this some trivia on Sky High, and they when they cast it and they filmed it, they actually contracted or contracted all the the actors for a TV series as well. It was supposed to be a movie, and if the movie became a hit, it was going to become a TV series on the Disney Channel. So that's probably what they were setting up that Will and War and Peace were going to be best friends. That's my guess. I totally would have watched that TV show. <laughs> I think that would have been a really fun TV show. I, I know, uh, you know, you're not the biggest Disney fan in the world, but um, I actually one movie that I think it was the How to Train Your Dragon is a DreamWorks movie that they did that with, where they actually made it a TV show in between the movies, and that's actually uh, something I thought was really successful. So now I'm kind of wishing that they did do this with Sky High. Yeah, it, I think it would have been a pretty big hit, and I'm. I'm I'm first of all surprised this movie wasn't a big hit because it's so good for other, you know, Disney productions of that era. I think it's just like a legitimately funny, good movie. So I'm shocked that it wasn't a hit. And then I'm even doubly shocked that they never made a TV series out of it because I think it absolutely would have worked. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you, you, you have like good established characters. You have uh, like solid running gags that you can throw into it. And it's about superheroes. Like what teenage boy is not going to want to watch that? Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely baffled that this movie just didn't become a hit because I'm even reading reviews of it now and they say, well, reviews were generally positive. I mean, I'm like, generally positive? Who's negative about this movie? I don't really know what the flaws are. I was trying to read a couple reviews of people who didn't like it and they all say stuff like, well, it's kind of lackluster. We've seen it before. And I'm like, I don't know if we'd seen this before 2005, had we? Like, was I'm trying to think there weren't a lot of superhero parodies before that, really good ones. I know a lot, several people have mentioned I should do the movie Mystery Men on here. I'm not really a fan of that movie. I never thought it was that strong. But, like, I'm not sure how many movies that were that were poking fun of superheroes before this. Well, if you want to talk about, like, a show that actually kind of, at this point, parodies superheroes or, like, mm -hmm. ha is, like, a funny, lighthearted superhero TV show, if you've uh, seen uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow at all, that one is kind of uh, a tangent off of the show's Arrow and the Flash on the CW, but they turned it into a, like a lighthearted time travel show where mm -hmm. every single episode is a, is uh, completely periodic. So they um, they like spoof westerns and spy movies and war movies all the time in every different episode, and it just like totally got ridiculous and over the top, especially this third season. So that's one that I think you might enjoy uh, for superheroes as TV shows. Okay, good to know. Okay, and let's see. We're just going to wrap up this movie here. So, yeah, so all the bad guys end up in prison. All the good guys get back to their normal selves. Sky High stays in the air. Will becomes a big superhero. He becomes the one who saves the world. And then this is where Linda Carter utters her great line. She's like, you know, I wish you guys would stop making me do all this, all this work. I'm not Wonder Woman, you know, which is a great line. And then we, we learn at the very end of the movie that the hapless Ron Wilson bus driver ended up a superhero. Nick, why don't you tell us how Ron Wilson developed superpowers? Well, he fell into a vat of hazardous waste, which, uh, <laughs> according to the company that I work for, will actually kill you. So uh, if you think they're lying, though, well, I'm not going to endorse that. I don't want people to sue me later. Yeah, for all the kids who are listening, please do not jump into vats of toxic waste. Yeah, I I, I do not recommend it. Professional opinion. Well, I, again, I can't dispute that. You're the one who studied this for many years. So, The other thing I like about that, when he does become 
a superhero is he's fighting a a giant robot because he's now able to become enormous but he's fighting a giant robot with the broom he was using that he accidentally broke the school bus with earlier on in the movie so would a superhero ha really have superpowers if he's using an ordinary broom wouldn't the broom have had to fall in the vat, vat of toxic waste as well uh i we'll have to do the tests here I mean, now we're now I think we're just getting back into Harry Potter comparables. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, toxic waste <laughs> scenes in Harry Potter. Well, no, but the broomstick. It was, it was a bad joke. It was a bad joke. Well, it could have been worse. I could have made a Bruce Campbell joke and say it was his boomstick. Uh, yeah. It's a good oh, thing I didn't go. do that. So we're not – see, that's the thing. If I don't do the joke, it's great. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, so that's Sky High, the wonderful family – uh, superhero comedy from 2005 that again just saved me from hellish years of having to sit through crappy just Disney stuff aimed at three-year-olds so I was so excited when this movie came out and I'm I'm almost honestly kind of flabbergasted it didn't become a bigger hit because I think it's really good and it's one that I think now in this current era of superhero fandom where everybody loves superhero movies and superhero tropes and origin stories I think this is one of those movies that people would just eat up because it's so perfect for the audience that's out there now. And that's, I don't know, would you agree with me? This is one I just can't see any reason people wouldn't like. No, I mean, it's got really, it's got really good humor. It's got a really good set of characters. And I think it, like I said at the beginning, it fits more in the, with the type of movies that are coming out now because, you know, with all the like MCU movies, especially like they're getting back into being having a lot of humor, being mo far more, um, they're far more li like like the comic books. You know, they're willing to just be over the top, be absurd, or you know, just just make it epic in a lot of ways. You know, this this is obviously more lighthearted and not uh, you know taking itself too seriously like a lot of the MCU MCU movies are. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just I just think it's you know it's it's one that you can sit down and watch and laugh and have a good time and you'll enjoy it over and over. And it's one of those as well that uh, every time you watch it, you'll pick up on a few different jokes. So it has a good, a good level of rewatchability in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I've watched this one several times. I've never regretted it. It's just, it's a good one just to kind of have on the background, even if you're not really paying attention, just because it's, it's, it's just a fun, lighthearted movie. And it's just one that you can always have on no matter who's in the room. And I guess that's something to be said for Disney movies. But yeah, there's nothing even remotely offensive in this movie. There's no bad language. It's just a fun, quirky, little, legitimately funny family movie. And that's, I really don't think there's that many of those. So, um, Let's see, before we sign off, uh, I looked on the Internet Movie Database trivia about this movie. Let's see. I read that uh, they originally wanted Linda Carter to wear gold bracelets as a tribute to Wonder Woman, but the studio that owned the Wonder Woman rights would not let her. They banned the yellow, the gold bracelets, so that's why she does not have them in the movie. Oh, come on. I hate that stuff. And uh, at one point in the movie, the commander says, I just got back from New Orleans. I prevented the Superdome from collapsing. And this movie literally came out one month before Hurricane Katrina, when that's exactly what happened, when the Superdome nearly collapsed and had all this damage. So it was kind of a, a incident of bad timing. Might not want to mention the Superdome at that point. <laughs> and here's the one. Here's the one that most children of the 90s will appreciate this, that the house used in this movie, the Stronghold House, is the exact same house in the sitcom Boy Meets World. They use the same one for both things. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. There you go. A little Topanga trivia for the day. <laughs> that was uh, on IMDb you were pulling that off of? Yeah. 
So those are my pieces of trivia. And then again, once again, I reiterate the one that I, I mentioned earlier in the show that if you watch the movie Death Proof, you have Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Kurt Russell literally switching roles where he becomes the villain and she becomes the hero, which was right after this movie. So that's my trivia. Nick, do you have any trivia that you know about this movie you'd like to share with people? Yeah, so uh, the girl who plays Layla, uh, Danielle Panabaker, uh, she plays uh, Killer Frost on the Flash TV show on the CW. So I was actually looking before this podcast to see if uh, they'd made references to that because uh, those shows are well known for making references to um, some of the actors' past movies or roles. But unfortunately, I think they missed out on that one. But like one of the um, like one of the funny ones they've done is the they did a crossover episode where the guy who plays in the show uh, the Atom he was Superman and do you remember that really bad Superman movie Superman Returns? I have only seen part of it, but I have heard that people hate it. So yes. Yeah. So the actor who played Superman in that, as I said, he plays the Atom in the in the Arrowverse and he meets Supergirl at one point and uh, says, uh, huh, she looks just like my cousin. Ah, okay. I get it. Yeah. So Superman and Supergirl in the, you know, comic DC canon are cousins. So it was just a quick little reference to the fact that he had previously played Superman, but I, I was disappointed to find out that they hadn't done that with sky high and, uh, Daniel Panabaker. So hopefully they will in the future, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll see moving down the line. Okay, well, hopefully it's one of those things where Sky High becomes more popular one day, when, where people will want to reference it. Maybe it's one of those things that they don't like mentioning it because maybe they're embarrassed they were in it. But again, I don't think they should be. I love this movie. I know you love this movie. And again, Nick, I just want to thank you for coming on and uh, joining me on the show. I think you said a while back this was the first podcast you've ever done before. I'm honored. Yeah, uh, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to uh, do a lot of podcasts before because I, I, for a while, was just kind of not on the internet at all. But uh, I made my, I made my way back initially because uh, I really liked um, reading your work on the Funny One Fifteen, and then I started tweeting at you, and you invited me to your Facebook group, and now here we are. Yeah, and Nick, Nick is a, a wonderful commercial for why, and I'll give a shameless plug here, why people should be my patrons. If he, I have a patron group on patron.com slash Mario Lanza where I kind of, people kind of donate for money for me to buy, you know, keep doing these podcasts, spend a lot of time putting them out, I you know, buy new equipment, get new microphones and stuff. And one of the things I have is one of the rewards on my patron group is that if you're one of my $5 patrons per month, that you get the first crack of being my guest on. And that's what I said, that a lot of people had mentioned they want Wanted to do sky high and nick was one of my patrons and one of my rules is patrons always get first crack at it so that's absolutely why anybody who wants to be one of my patrons that's a wonderful perk right there so thank you for joining me nick i hope you had fun and anybody who uh is listening out there again i appreciate all my listeners i appreciate anybody who's giving this new podcast a chance again it's only been up for two two and a half months now and i'm having a lot of fun doing it it's slowly gaining an audience and i'm, I'm very proud of the episodes we're putting out and some of the movies we've been able to talk about so as always my name is mario lanza if you need to reach me you can reach me on email at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com you can reach me on twitter at mario j lanza and until the next time I talk to you, I will be out looking for underrated, underloved, or just unknown movies. And until then, may all your superpowers be hero powers, not sidekick powers. Talk to you guys later. Goodbye.
you. Front and center. Let me first start off by saying what an honor it is. Is that your power? Butt kissery? Very funny, sir. You know, I've heard you had a very wicked... Shut up and power up.